Hello, everyone. I'm Peter Van Artrecht, your guest host for this podcast installment of Agency Nation Radio. Today, we'll be discussing changing preferences for customer experience with remote work. The world certainly has evolved. How are firms going to deliver great service? What role is technology going to play? To help us dive in, I'm pleased to have with us Trevor Bunker, who's Chief Customer Officer for Applied Systems, the agency management software firm. Trevor is fairly new to Applied, joining in 2020, but he has over two decades of customer service leadership experience. Welcome, Trevor. Hey, hello, Peter. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, of course. This is a cool topic. I do want to learn a little more, though, for our, you know, on behalf of our listeners, a little bit about your background and what does it mean to be in customer service leadership and how you got to apply. So maybe just give us a little bit of a thumbnail. Fantastic. Well, you know, I think it's very uh, topical for our discussion today around the future of work and the uh, impact of the global pandemic. I got to be honest, I would never have planned changing jobs in the middle of a pandemic, especially at an executive or a a C-level. Just a really daunting task. I joked with our CEO, Taylor Rhodes, I did not physically meet him until almost two months into the job, right? Something that just would be unheard of. I mean, could you ever in a world imagine hiring someone, not meeting them, especially someone in the C-suite? That just... Pre-COVID, that was completely unheard of. So just fascinating to think of just, you know, in terms of hiring and building our teams and staffing, how that's been changed by the uh, pandemic. So, you know, interesting path that uh, that led me to uh, apply. And, and I appreciate you saying I am by no means an insurance person. I have been six months with Applied. I have been in the insurance industry for six months. So, you know, I certainly wasn't hired for my depth of insurance knowledge. But as you mentioned, I really was hired for my customer experience. So I joke that I'm a recovering developer. I started my career as a software developer. Like waiting tables, I think everyone should do it once in their life. And uh, it really gave me just an incredible perspective uh, around software, but then very quickly moved into various leadership roles across customer success, whether directly working in a sales environment, a services, a support, uh, an overall customer success or business development, whether here domestically, overseas in Asia or across Europe, every role I've had in my career has been tightly anchored around the customers. Very excited to bring that experience to uh, this incredible industry of ours here with Applied Systems. It's a great industry. And you mentioned waiting tables. Agents and brokers tell me all the time they got their best people. They found their best people who are servers at restaurants who were servers because they say, you know, I can't teach people the soft skills of how to be nice, you know, how to be responsive, all those things, how to be proactive. I can definitely teach them insurance skills. So, you know, you run into some people, some, you know, when you have great service in a restaurant, man, there's nothing better than that. You know, people who write things down, get the order right, all those sorts of things. It's no surprise to me that that's where they find those people with great soft skills. It's fascinating. And this has been a topic of discussion in a lot of customer success and customer experience leadership circles. You know, one of the core tenets I wholeheartedly believe in customer success is humility, right? It, a genuine humility, yeah. which leads to empathy and truly understanding. And I'll tell you, I mean, that's something that you earn and learn 
by waiting tables, by serving other people, right? And, and you're spot on. I mean, we can teach a lot of the skills. Granted, technology is changing, so we constantly need to reskill ourselves and our teams to stay current. But you're right. I mean, find people with that rock solid core, right? And then build them up from there. Well, there's so much to talk about here, you know, to talk about what you guys are doing at Applied, what independent agents and brokers are doing internally with their associates, their employment base, with their customers, what's going on with the gig economy. It's just a crazy amount of change that was, I think, largely accelerated. Now, it's not only, this is my belief, Trevor, so you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the pandemic accelerated some of this, but the trends were kind of already underway, largely driven, again, in my opinion, by the uh, Gen X and uh, the millennials who are looking for more than just a paycheck, looking for a place to work that has a little bit more meaning to it, which is why I think independent agents are, are in a great position to attract those people. But so where would you like to start? Because I know there's a lot of discussion lately about the future of work and what it means for the insurance industry, not only as an employment brand, but as insuring these people who are looking for a, an evolved work experience. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Peter, you just hit on uh, two really interesting topics I hope we can circle around. One, you really nailed something that we look at really closely, which is around belonging. And the angle we're coming at that from is, you know, think about, as you said, right? I mean, people, whether it's millennials or others, looking for that sense of belonging, that identity, want to be part of something special. And we wholeheartedly believe that's one of the unique aspects or attributes of the independent channel right? Not that corporate structure, not that anything wrong with the corporate structure, but, you know, creating that family identity, that unit, that real, just tremendous sense of belonging, giving people incredible opportunities. You're talking about taking that, that wait staff and bringing them into insurance and allowing them to grow their career. That's a lot of things that happen in the independence. And, you know, if you think about the stressors that we have faced throughout the pandemic, one of the areas I think the independence just candidly outperformed others was maintaining that sense of belonging. You know, certainly a lot of companies did a lot of great things and, you know, work from home and, you know, safety programs and so forth. But I think it was really those independents that banded together and maintained that sense of belonging and, and really kept that sense of community. I mean, we saw it with our independent agents. We saw it with their insurers, just how quickly they were able to respond and create that sense of community and, and safety amongst their members. Yeah. So how did they do that? Like, how were they able to maintain that sense of community, you think, that sense of belonging among their teams? You know, I give our, our customers and candidly, a lot of the teams that applied credit for just how fast people mobilized. Right. And I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago and we were, you know, it was April and we we're saying, gosh, can you think of where we were this time last year? We were having these same discussions, but this time last year, we weren't really sure what COVID was. The notion of a vaccine was God knows how far away. We weren't even really sure how it was spreading, right? CDC was still coming out with guidance. So we were just in this incredible uncertainty. We, we at least a year later, have the end of the tunnel in sight, right? Or at least we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So if you think back to just how quickly you know, these independents mobilized. 
you know, quickly engage with their clients in multiple channels of communication. We saw a massive surge in digital and on-demand engagement. So whether it was, you know, large volumes of people signing up for portals, we saw a huge shift towards online bill pay. You know, anytime people were going to come into the agency before shifting over, we saw a huge amount of just care type marketing, right? Reach out if you need us. We're here. We've extended our hours. That's certainly some of the stuff we tried to do at Applied. I mean, very quickly, we saw changes in how our customers were working. You know, we saw them working different hours. We saw more activity on the weekends. So we quickly redeployed our support, making support available seven days a week. We started offering extended hours. We started offering like Saturday accounting and month-end close support because we noticed more people were coming in or, you know, they were only able to get into the agency once a week to collect the mail process checks that had been mailed in and, you know, kind of keep the business rolling. So I really give the independent channel a tremendous amount of props and kudos for just how quickly they mobilized, responded, and kept that engagement going with the insurance. Well, they always say, Trevor, that you know insurance is a people business, a relationship business, and, and you really did see that. I, I agree a lot. And I was telling agents when they asked me, you know, what could we do in terms of marketing right now? And I told them, you know, the most important customer right now is your employee. Like, how are they doing? Like, you got to find out if they're okay at home and what do they need there to do their jobs? They're still coming to the office so they feel safe. I mean, a lot of people did still come in during all of this. Most of them didn't, but do they have the equipment they need? Are they feeling safe? They're now having to manage kids. And I mean, it's just, to me, one of the most amazing things was how a young mom, a young, like a CSR who has kids who could get through all this and do their job. I mean, it, to me, I'm just astounded. I would just crawl up in the corner in a fetal position and cry all day long. I couldn't, handle what they did. So reaching out to your employees, I saw that happen. And then in turn, the staff reaching out to their customers before they worry about new people, because the agency owners are always talking about, gee, we have to grow, grow, grow. Well, one way to grow is to make sure you keep people. And the way you keep people is actually reach out to them. So I told them, just call all your customers. I mean, you can think about it. You can do it. You can call every single one of your customers and ask them how they're doing. And then I think also the carrier relationships, which are so key, as you know, it applied to the whole ecosystem, you know, making sure because a lot of these field representatives who are used to, you know, as the applied sales reps get out there and see people, these carrier field reps get out and see people They're That's their juice, you know, actually seeing people. And so how are they doing? I think the human side of this was really key. And I saw it happen. And this reminds me what a great industry it is. I completely agree. I think there were incredible displays of humanness throughout uh, throughout this. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned, too, as well earlier. You know, I think the other interesting aspect, and you nailed it, there was this pent up demand for modernization, right? It's, you know, I think of it like, you know, the third car garage or like the basement full of stuff, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to get to cleaning it up. You know, when I've got some time on a weekend, I'll go down there and spend some time. And, you know, there was a a great statement made by uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. He said, you know, COVID hit a square between the eyes and it actually forced us to accelerate about two years worth of IT projects to allow us to truly digitally support our clients, right? So even Microsoft, largest software company in the world, right? That, you know, we think has everything optimized. 
they ended up having to accelerate two years worth of backlog and projects that they have on the back burner in order to continue to support their customers. So I think that same pattern was true for everyone. You know, we mentioned some of the obvious ones, right? Like the going online and more engagement through a mobile app and greater sense of community and, and just communicating with your clients. But there were also just a lot of other things that, you know, people necessarily weren't focused on pre-COVID. Uh, phone systems, right? We got so many requests and, and asked for so much assistance for recommendations, what phone systems we integrate with so that they can continue to provide that seamless experience. But you know, there were quite a few people who had these legacy PBX-based phone systems, right? They had that big phone switch that you know sat there for 20 years in the closet at the agency or you know, collecting dust, where suddenly they couldn't route calls. They weren't VoIP enabled. They couldn't do remote handsets if they started to send people home. So big push on telecom. We saw a big modernization around telecom. And then even just what is the employee setup? You know, the traditional at your desktop computer, maybe people had multiple monitors depending on how they were set up. You know, now this, you know, we've heard from a lot of CIOs or CTOs saying, I'm never buying a desktop again, only buying laptops from now on. Laptops and tablets, never will I buy a desktop again because truthfully, a lot of these agencies that had to mobilize, I mean, we, we heard some of these you know, nightmare stories of you know people loading up their personal car with monitors and trying to take their desktops home and then you know trying to reassemble them home without IT support. So again, right, these are all the little pieces you know, that sequentially make up part of that overall experience that I just don't think we were necessarily ready for. And the agencies that were already ahead of the curve thinking more like a hurricane or tornado or some kind of natural catastrophe, you know, what do we do there? You know, there's a lesson there, right? You plan for that, but they also could have used that planning for the pandemic. So the ones that were already thinking laptops, cloud, telephony systems, you know, what are the things occurred? I think the technology changes that were foisted on remote workers in agencies were things like, well, gee, what do we do about a signature? What do we do when we have to print something? Like, how does this work? So I know there's been increased adoption. You could call it forced, but I mean, come on, that this is overdue for our industry to have everybody using e-signature, for example. So did you see an uptick in sort of all things digital when it comes to service, but also reaching out to new customers in terms of the marketing piece? Absolutely. And, you know, echoing that, there was certainly a cloud-first sentiment throughout COVID and continuing in today. You know, as we mentioned, most clients very much focused on their core applications like the broker management or the agency management system, you know, their financial systems. What was fascinating was, to your point, how many people had auxiliary or ancillary type systems that weren't necessarily cloud? Signatures, how many, you know, required wet signatures or just as a practice required wet signatures. So massive surge towards e-signatures and digital signing, things like mail. We saw a large number of agencies quickly start to sign up for centralized mail services, right? Where you redirect all your physical mail to a processing center that actually then scans and digitally images all your mail and then sends it to you electronically, right? Because, you know, there were people that either had checks waiting or payment vouchers or other things coming to the agency that nobody was servicing. So, 
I think there was a, a real sincere look across the entire uh, value chain of how the agency operates and identifying any places that there were uh, legacy models, right? Non-cloud-based models. So I think it truly did revolutionize that overall experience. And I don't think we're done. I think there's still, you know, continued investment. You know, you mentioned from a marketing perspective, you know, I think, as we said before, there was a tremendous amount of focus around engaging with the insured, making sure that the insured knows that we there as the independent agent and the providers are there to support them. I also think there is just a, a genuine goodness executed by the, the channel, right? You didn't see, right? You didn't hear these nightmare stories of people losing their insurance. You saw a tremendous amount of flexibility from brokers, right? Especially brokers who are in the payment flow. A lot of brokers came back to us and said, hey, can you help us establish payment plans? Can you help us with reserves? We want to be incredibly flexible to our insureds. How can we help them? So, you know, there was a, a genuine desire to really help and support those clients. We didn't see the price gouging or, or that type of behavior, which, you know, unfortunately you've seen in some other industries. I'm glad you feel that way as a relative newcomer to this business, because I think people say this all the time. And as a consumer, you're like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really know much about insurance, not an industry I'm really that interested in. Boom. Once they get in there, they're like, wow, I'm really grateful this worked out this way because it is a good industry. There are a lot of good people. That's not really a question, Trevor, but I... I was going to say, Peter, someone who just uh, weathered a hailstorm here in Dallas, I'm <laughs> very much glad I'm in the insurance industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. Were you all right down there? Absolutely. We all came through fine, but uh, no shortage of damage to the roof. And uh, yeah. yeah, I heard that storm was bad. You know, we're getting into uh, hurricane season when this podcast airs, I'm sure, so... Here we go again. I mean, all these things we're talking about are so critical for agents to have. And switching this around from a slightly different perspective, it's one thing for the agency owner to say, yeah, we got to make sure that we can keep running as a firm. It's another if you're the employee there, the associate, the worker. And you look at the place and say, well, does this place make it easy for me to do my job or not? Right. So all these things are also really good for the employee happiness. And I also would argue that from an employment brand standpoint, there's a tremendous opportunity for independent agents and brokers as they look to hire new people and grow. And there's three reasons that I toss around in my head of, you know, about being a stable industry. We see this all the time, not just in the pandemic, but recessions, 9-11, all these big disasters, hurricanes, that even the Great Depression, the industry came out of it very strong. So it's stable. That's really important, especially to the younger workforce today, because they've been through a lot. They can be flexible firms. I mean, look, like the tools you guys provide, if agency owners are willing to take a look at maybe having a more flexible work environment, maybe partially remote, maybe nine to five every single day, you know, work at home, you know, maybe full or part of the time, those kinds of flexibility, I think, is a second big area that people look for employment today. And then finally, something that's been going on for years and years and years since the start of insurance is just being in the community, helping the community. And that community service is really key, especially again to young people and say, you know, it's great to get a paycheck, but I want to, what else is my firm doing to help out? So I think all those three things are really appealing to today's workforce. What do you think? Am I right there, Trevor? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Peter. And we're certainly seeing that in our customer 
both across carrier and agency side and even within applied. Being six months with the company, you know, as I learn more about just this really rich history applied has had, it's very clear that applied was a, you know, more traditional conservative office culture. Right. Phenomenal headquarters in the Chicago area. Great investment in these, but it was very much you must be present to win in the office type culture. And as we're starting to you know, come out of COVID as a leadership team, we've really taken a hard look in the mirror and said, you know, what have we learned here? Well, we've learned that our business is incredibly resilient. We've learned that we've actually been able to better serve our team members and our employees and ultimately our customers if we're taking better care of our employees by being flexible, by mobilizing quickly, by providing flexible shifting, right? By offering different services or benefits that are catering more towards a uh, remote workforce. Now, are we gonna go completely Silicon Valley like some of the social media companies and get rid of our offices and you never have to come back? Absolutely not. We wholeheartedly believe in the notion of anchors we are really building that sense of community. So we you know, have clusters of employees around central offices. We're you know, developing hybrid models, really revamping a lot of our offices more towards event space than you know, traditional cubicle, right? So really empowering our employees with the freedom of choice. Like you pick the location that works for you. If you have a bunch of heads down project type work, you want to do it from home, you want to do it from a Starbucks, you want to do it sitting outside by your pool, like that's great, whatever works for you. We as a company are providing a lot of collaboration space with the latest technology and creative ways to engage like, you know, digital wall boards, full size Zoom rooms, right, that deliver a telepresence experience so we can better collaborate office to office and with our customers. So, you know, I think it's really the future of work for us is all about choice and what works best for you. It's really interesting. I think there's some parallels there, even for a smaller business, smaller broker, smaller agency. You know, I was reading something about Zoom, which, you know, was just an amazing, it got to the point where people are using it as a verb, you know, last January, well, January 20, before the pandemic, there were exponentially fewer number of people on Zoom. And when March came around last year, it was just boom. And people learn real quick, it might be good to get the paid version versus the free version, you know, all those sorts of things. But one thing I read about Zoom is that or just the Zoom technology, maybe you guys are seeing this, is going to be dramatically different in the future where it won't just be this sort of weird two-dimensional screen. I'm trying to think of that sitcom where you had all the pictures on, maybe it was Brady Bunch, maybe. You know, all these people yeah. looking two-dimensional, right? It's like, yeah, I really can't see people respond to what I'm saying. It's so confusing and stressful for me to, to do these Zoom calls. But the next generation, Trevor, I'm told, is going to be much more dynamic and much more real. Are you guys hearing anything about that? You know, a lot of the technology, you know, certainly exists, right? It's, it's how it becomes mainstream. You know, you look at some of just the incredible innovation that the Cisco's, the Avaya's, right? The more traditional telecom hardware providers. I mean, they've been delivering true telepresence, right? You know, you sit down at a half table up against a wall that suddenly turns into a digital screen and you feel and look like you're sitting across the table from someone, 
right? With just such incredible reality in terms of just the quality of the experience. Obviously cost prohibitive, right? I mean, very expensive to build these rooms and so forth. So I think you're seeing a democratization of a lot of that technology into Zoom and other platforms. I mean, think about it. Zoom is only 10 years old, right? Zoom was founded in 2011. And now, as you said, became the predominant platform. We use it as a verb, right? In, in language, yeah. there could be, they'll continue to be, you know, more evolution, you know, will we ever get to being able to truly reach out and do that virtual handshake? I don't know, right? We're still a pretty heavily people business. So I know uh, handshaking is actually one of the things I miss the most uh, doing with people, but I do agree. I think the technology will continue to evolve. It's fascinating. One of the things, you know, related as we think about how the technology is evolving is the impact to data. And I think this is probably one of the most interesting topics with our customers today. So honestly, I can't have a conversation without a to a CEO or a CIO without data coming up and how both our experience over the last year has opened our eyes up to additional data or just frankly, how much evolution and modernization we've made around data in the last year. So whether it's greater insights into understanding our customers' behaviors and patterns, you know, being able to predictively understand what they may want from you from a marketing and demand gen, all the way through to look at some of the advancements around telemetry and telematics, right? Real-time driver performance, creating, you know, on-demand rates based on the driver performance, right? Wearables, how much health data are we all as consumers pumping out there into the ether, right? That is going to, you know, rapidly start to be consumed and start driving, you know, personalized rates based on your behaviors and your patterns, right? So I just think it's it's just fascinating you know, the uh, we can spend another two hours just talking about data alone, how I think that the data is probably going to be the largest revolution for us in the insurance business. Yeah, for sure. The very idea of insurance being this thing that it's sort of like you pay into a system and for the good of the few that have the 7% of people who have a claim in a year, for example, you know, it c- can be micro personalized based on your driving habits, based on just your lifestyle, and you can see where data can come into play, where it looks at all sorts of things, what's going on on Facebook on for you, for example, and bring all those things together and say, well, here's your rate. Here's Peter's rate. Here's Trevor's rate. You know, It's somehow tied to the collective, but it's more tied to you. As a matter of fact, related to this topic about work is like people aren't even going to work and maybe even getting benefits as they once did, like workers' comp and employee benefits. They have multiple side hustles, multiple gigs. And so how do you ensure that person? You know, it's great if they're part of this big pool, but what if they're not part of the big pool? What if they're, you know, working in a landscape contractor for a couple of days a week? Maybe they're driving for Uber Eats. Maybe they're going to work in an independent agency three days a week. I mean, how do you get your arms around? On that person. I think data is one way to, but it also will require, I think, the insurance industry, and it's happening already with some of the insure techs, to be a bit more creative, I think, and and making sure people are protected. I think uh, you hit on the whole gig work model, which I think we as a society are still dealing with. You know, there were things like Proposition 22 out in San Francisco, trying to look at like Uber and Lyft, trying to understand how to classify them, right? Unfortunately, I think we have an almost binary lens in terms of some of these 
associations or benefits with full-time dedicated employment. And as you mentioned, Peter, I mean, we're seeing a huge transition. We're even seeing it in our insured base. We're seeing more part-time employees, right? Who part-time CSR role, X number of hours. I'm a part-time bookkeeper. So you're right. I think we as a society need to continue evolving how we look at gig working, both as the sum of all the parts, but holistically what we need to provide to those employees. And, you know, the data piece can certainly help us, right? The more we understand, the more we know about it from a data perspective, ultimately the better decisions we can make, you know, in discussions with those CIOs, CTOs, and other executives and our customers, you know, that the data question keeps coming up. And, you know, I've been really proud of how applied is leaning into is around that data ownership. You know, there's so many companies that have been trying to differentiate or make their way about the data that they they hoard or the data that they, you know, govern or how much data they have locked away in their system. And, you know, we genuinely have a different view of it. You know, we believe in an openness. We believe in an absolute fair and open exchange of data, right? It doesn't mean it's free, right? But a truly fair and open exchange of data where we can easily share information between systems based on open standards. And, you know, we believe the, the benefit or the value of any system or company should really be around how you enrich that data. It's, you know, stewardship of the data, storing the data, guarding it with moats around it. That's not really that interesting anymore, right? I mean, storage is cheap, right? Disk is cheap these days. Cloud storage is infinite, right? And, and getting just cheaper by the petabyte. So, you know, it's really how do you curate the data? How do you enrich the data? What do you do with the data while it's in your custody? And what additional insights and value can you provide? You know, we are without question the largest data provider across North America when it comes to the independent insurance channel, both from mm-hmm. applied now with our acquisition of Easy Links, right? I mean, just the largest set of data. So, we have a responsibility of how we curate that data. How do we share that data? You know, certainly, you know, we're not ashamed of monetizing that data in the right way, but how do we truly curate, extend that data to continue to share it and contribute to that open environment? Well, and the thing too is there's, you see this in articles almost every day in the uh, general media. Like I read the Wall Street Journal every day and it has quite a bit of articles in there about how to make sure you understand what data you're giving to these apps on your iPhone, how to make sure you protect your, your quote unquote privacy. But I think you're a customer service guy. This whole thing about customer experience, before it was customer service, now it's customer experience where you're getting around the table and sitting with your customer and saying, let's look at this policy. Let's look at our agency workflow together. Like instead of just you and me, it's you and me, not just, we're just not over across the table here. We're, we're partners, you know? And so I think to your point, the data piece, some people get really persnickety about giving up their data. But on the other hand, they kind of like, you know, saving time. They like knowing that, for example, a policy is pre-filled with, you know, my address and social, whatever's on there, how many trucks I have. And so this balance between protecting privacy, protecting people's data, but also serving them in a new way because people are super time stretched. And I think there's some 
very elegant ways that they would say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't want to give my address and phone number over and over and over again to customer service support. I want you to know kind of who I am and know something about me before you ask me to do jump through some hoops. Am I right about that, Trevor? I'm chuckling because, you know, you're circling around something that I've gotten a very quick education in my short time in insurance. And that's around forms, like this notion of forms, filling things out, contributing the same data over and over again, right? You know, boy, is that a uh, challenge that we are working hard to solve with our Indio technology with a lot of customers. But you're right. I mean, you know, I think just as humans and as, as citizens, we each have that inherent balance. Like, I am very willing to openly share my information if it comes with an elegance and a con- If I can get to a form, right? And wow, 65% of the form is pre-filled out because you're demonstrating, number one, that you know me, which is kind of what I want. Like we're doing business. We have a relationship. You should know me. Two, you've just made this simple and easy. Clearly, you recognize my time is valuable and filling out the same information that I've given you multiple times before is just very low value. And it provides a, a layer of validation, right? That, oh, no, actually, that number is old. Let me change that, right? So I think people, you know, on the spectrum, not sharing anything to everything out there in the open, there's a balance based on convenience right up to the moment that trust has been broken with data, right? And then very, very quickly, we, uh, we go back to not wanting to share that data. It's very true. It's funny. Forms, it just makes people cringe, you know, and... And people who are working every day right now, as we're recording this, there are people, you know, CSRs out there talking to consumers, asking for information. And the consumer's like, don't you already have this? You know, nobody really wants to jump through those hoops. You know, they just, there's got to be a, a better way, you know, to do this. But if you look at it from the customer experience side and walk in their shoes, you're like, we got to do everything we can to make these workflows easier for the customer. And then in turn, the employee at the agency and then in turn, the insurance industry should benefit because a lot of these questions we're asking and forms are filling out, the insurance companies, they say they don't even need it. Like, we don't even why we're collecting it. I came from property management before I came to insurance. And insane corollary, you know, in any workflow-oriented business, right, you know, you run the risk. We ran this workflow or this process five years ago. And unless there's a reason to update it, often a lot of agencies run the same workflow. So to your point, you know, the the carriers like, you know, we don't even use that information. I remember, I mean, I was watching an, an episode of TV and there was a funny skit where, you know, husband and wife are going in to meet the doctor and the doctor like for their checkup visit said, hey, do you, do you feel like you're getting enough uh, potassium? And the woman said, I don't know. What does that feel like? And he goes, oh, we don't really care. You know, we just ask, right? We don't even really care how you answer. So, you know, same thing with those forms. I think some of it is just, it's become so rote. It's just become process where we just fill it out for the sake of filling it out because the workflow hasn't been modernized in God knows how long. You know, while much of the industry still today is driven by forms or forms-based workflows, that's something we are radically trying to break away from. That's why we're shifting from, you know, just this forms-based structure to this database structure. If we truly understand this data and all these attributes, we can make it seamless on you, the insured, how we have to populate this information, which carrier wants to consume it in different ways. 
If all of our workflows are bound by a form, uh-oh, if we didn't collect something on one form, I mean, that form's dead in the water trying to go to another carrier. So really, I think that shift away from that form-based thinking to more of that object or database model is uh, really what's going to move us forward. You know, hopefully we've gone from multiple entry to single entry to maybe no entry of data because it exists already somewhere. You're just simply, it's not even forms. It's what's behind the forms. I mean, nobody really needs to worry about forms anymore. You know, I don't mean to be facetious. The world's changing and it's kind of cool. And so let's do this, Trevor. In the time we have left, I want to do a couple of rapid fire rounds, shall we say, of a couple of questions. What do you see as the most common customer issue your team sees come up time and time again? And how do you guys tackle it? So like, what are you seeing? It doesn't even have to be related to the pandemic necessarily, maybe coming out of the pandemic. Hopefully this is the year that happens. Is there something that you see just time and time again? Yeah, so I think there's a really big push, and you mentioned, you hit on it before, around that employee value proposition and that employee development You know, there's a lot of tools, a lot of resources out there to make people proficient at, you know, applied technology or to get them trained up on how to use Microsoft Word or PowerPoint. There's not as much training, coaching and development to make them a better CSR or make them a better producer. So a lot of focus around competencies, how to continue investing and grow and develop people beyond the Uh, functional skills is a big area that we're seeing right now. Do you think there are any differences in return to work perspectives among agency owners, you know, sales people, producers, and the service teams? Are you seeing any differences there? I think anecdotally, I think the producers can't wait to get back on the planes and start traveling. You know, we're slowly starting to reopen business travel and and man, have the requests started pouring in. I think there's just this pent up demand for some human contact. So I think producer side, real interest in getting back out there. I think people will get back out there in a smarter way. I think we've proven that we can do a lot remotely and digitally. So when we do meet face to face, perhaps it's more closing meetings, more negotiating meetings. But it'll be much more meaningful, I think, face-to-face engagements. And then on the on the flip side, I think the you know the CSR community, the accounting community, a lot of the operations community have just really proven that we can work anywhere. So you know, give us the flexibility, give us that choice into how we want to bring the best of what we can bring to the agency. Okay, last one, Trevor. Can you think of one overall lesson? And I think it's great that you're relatively new to the industry and new to Applied to be able to answer this. But do you see this is the main thing, the major thing we learned during the pandemic as an industry? You know, what are our customers have been saying to us where it's like, well, that that sounds familiar, kind of rhymes with what everybody else is saying. Are there any trends or a trend or a lesson that you think comes out of this that we could take forward? I think it's really just a reflection of the resiliency and the grit that our independent channel, our employees that applied, and all of you have demonstrated, right? By mission, we are there to support the insurance, right? We're there when things matter most. And I think we prove this as an industry right? How we supported our insured, how we kept our systems up and running, how we just, you know, didn't lapse coverage. I really think it was just an incredible testament to just how much we can weather and continue to deliver that value. Well, Trevor, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for taking the time on behalf of Agency Nation, our loyal listeners. I'm sure they'll 
be looking forward to meeting you as I will in the future when we get back to that. But again, wish you all the best for the rest of 2021. And thanks for being with us today. Fantastic, Peter. Thank you so much for the great conversation and agree. Look forward to shaking your hand one day in 2021. It'd be nice. (laughs) Well, thanks everybody. I'm Peter Van Artreich and we'll see you around.